Okay, back into Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 4, <laughs> Ephesians 4, inching through it, <laughs> we could say versing through it as we go, chapter 4, verse 27, 28, 29. We're looking at the Christian and his behaviour in verses 1 of chapter 4 through to chapter 6, verse 9. And um, if you've got the outline in the bulletin, the spare sheet, that's got the outline we've been following for some weeks. And we're going, doing one week each point uh, on the one to, one to nine points. Um, so <clears throat> the Christian and his behaviour, his marvellous new relationship and his moral relationship. And under his moral relationship, we've looked at a complete deliverance, a new life, a new look. We've seen a converted disposition. We have a disposition of a, a Christian. Huh. Our tongue and our temper have been tamed. Tongue and temper tamed. And then a conquered devil. We looked at that last time. Uh, he's, he's there to do us mischief. And... I was looking today, trying to start to clean out the study to do a bit of shifting round down there. I come across a sheet that I'd written all the ones I'd preached on the devil and there's about that many, all the different sermons on the devil and I thought there's a lot of different angles to look at it and uh, his wicked work and how he's a mischievous, devious character. And it tells us in this verse 27 of Ephesians 4, neither give place to the devil. And we're considering that a little bit the, on, on Sunday morning. Neither give place to the devil. I think we used about three points to talk about that. But last time we were together, we looked at about 20, 20 points there. Now, um, <clears throat> we're looking at now in conversation how we ought to... In, in our conversion, sorry, I was looking at the... I've crossed it out, okay, I've given a list in our conversation as we look at these scriptures, verses 28 and 29, we read, let him that stole steal no more, and uh, remember conversation in the scripture is behaviour, it's talking of that, let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labour, working with his hands the thing which is good that he may have to give to him that needeth. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth but that which is good to the use of edifying that it may minister grace to the hearers. And so let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for the word. Thank you for the challenge that it gives us. And, Lord, may we always be on guard of the evil one trying to bring our testimony down to cause that which we've built up over years to come to naught in a moment and Lord that we would always guard our tongues Lord our temper our behavior would be that which is Christ-like and others might seek to know you through our testimony we ask and pray for your blessing on our study tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> now, there will be a conspicuous difference according to these two verses, 28 and 29, in our conduct, first of all. Once we are saved, what ought to be our 
work ethic. And this is what it's talking about right here. Let him that stole steal no more, but let him... What's our work ethic? Labour. Working with our hands. What do most people, a lot of people, not everybody, do with their work abilities today? It's with their... <laughs> no. <laughs> well, yeah, okay. But a lot of people work with their heads, the computer, typing, doing things like that. And um, we know what it means when it says heads, hands, or feet, or whatever. <laughs> we are to labour. Um, labour, don't steal. Labour, don't bludge. <laughs> labour, don't put your hand out. Labour, don't complain about it. And all those things are happening in our society today. And what a greater testimony could be there be if someone who was a non-Christian become a Christian who before was known as a thief and then after becoming a Christian started working hard, earning money and giving it, giving it to others. That's a testimony, isn't it? But, and it, had, it has been the case that if we have stolen before we got saved, we become a Christian, what immediately will you think of? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what about the stuff you've got stashed that you've stolen? <laughs> what are you going to do with that? It's still there. Yeah, if you haven't used it or eaten it, give it back. What a testimony. <laughs> what a challenge to unsaved people. And when that has happened and testimonies of people doing it, they, <laughs> well, well, uh, just keep it. I don't know what to do now. <laughs> it's been some years ago that it was said that in England, in the dockyards, where people had been stealing from the dockyards and things that had come in via ships and that, that there was revivals happening there, and the dockyard was flooded with returned materials and they had to build new sheds to contain all the, all the stolen materials that were returned. And so that, that just generated more of a revival when that sort of thing happened there in those days of revival. It's sad indeed today that many in churches <clears throat> don't preach repentance as a result of salvation. That we repent of those ways we once did and steal no more. Easy believism has come into the churches where just believe without repenting of the sins and turning away from them and showing a change in our life has, is being preached. There needs to be the change. Conversion implies a change of belief and behaviour. Is there anything dishonest about manual labour? No, there's not. And um, <clears throat> we need to do... We, we need to be willing to do that. <laughs> it couldn't help you. You know, when you're away going on holidays like we did and you come across roadworks, road what, what do you see? Someone leaning on a shovel. <laughs> it's okay. A lot of shovels been leaned on and a lot of posts been leaned on. And there's one chap down in the hole working. <laughs> and it happened over and over again. We went past. I, just <laughs> I don't wind my window down, so I get to work. <laughs> But you just think and look on. You asked Jules, so I've made comments about it as we went past. You know, <clears throat> we could get a lot more done 
would have a lot more infrastructure built if everybody did that which is just right. <laughs> um, <clears throat> you ever been on a job where they say, hey, slow down? Stop working so hard? Why do they say that? <laughs> putting them to shame and they don't like it. <laughs> Often that'll be the case. Um, <clears throat> this is, that was said to me when I was only, I think I was about 18 or 17, working on a job. They said, cut the throttle in half. I mean, cut the you pull it, full revs, you pull it, pull it, push it back. Because the other fellas aren't doing that. This is on the bulldozer. You think, but <laughs> you need to put... I'm used to working for private individuals where they want to get every dollar for the, the job done. And so we need to put our heart and head and hand into it when we have that opportunity to labour to labor and set an example. <clears throat> There's nothing wrong with an honest day's work, but there does need to be, as Ephesians later talks about, an honest day's pay too. And that's on the part of the boss. Now, how did the Lord esteem manual labour? Did he have anything to say? Did he do anything that teaches us that we ought to follow his example? What was he known as in the communities where he went and nearby? The carpenter. So what did he do? Manual labour. For all those years, between when we don't hear much, anything much of him from 12 years old to 30, he was doing manual labour. He, he did. <laughs> and that's... You know, it caught an eye on 20 years that he was working in a carpenter shop under a boss who happened to be dad, Joseph, there in the shop, and he set an example. And uh, some wonder the Catholic Church haven't come up with uh, this was made by Jesus and let's sell it for a high bidder, the highest to the highest bidder. <laughs> you know, there's bits of the cross being sold and the splinters of the cross being sold. There's thousands of cross being, crosses being sold, so they're not original. And, and so, it, so it goes. But things that were fixed by the Lord Jesus, farmers that brought their implements in, uh, ladies that brought the furniture in, that's what the Lord Jesus did. And it's not wrong to do that. If the Son of God can labour with his hands and work with his dad as he did in the business, in the home business, I think it's good that we do the same. <clears throat> what did the Lord Jesus say well, what did God say through the Holy Spirit back in the book of Genesis, chapter 3, verse 19, after the fall of mankind? By the sweat of your brow. Of your brow. That means hard work. You've worked up a sweat, at least. <laughs> By the sweat of your face, then you'll sow the fields and reap the harvest and keep things going. And, and he, he said, populate and what? Replenish the earth. <laughs> I'm glad Adam and Eve didn't know the size of the earth at that time. Maybe the Lord took them on a flying visit. I don't think so, but, <laughs> you know, or, or told them it's, it's this big <laughs> and there's countries all around the other side where there's animals and vegetation and jungles that you haven't seen, but this you are to fill. They would have been, you know, this you are to keep the garden, <laughs> to till. Well, <clears throat> they could have been overcome by the size of the job, but not today anymore. There's this, hey, stop pushing trees over. Stop taking the jungles down because we need them for the, to be the lungs of the earth, as they say, <clears throat> for the generation of oxygen. Now, Second Thessalonians chapter 3. 
if we turn there. This is a plain practical truth. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather labor, let him labor working with his hands the thing which is good that he may have to give to him that needeth. We're looking at 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, <clears throat> verse 10. Now we command you, brethren, in the name of the Lord Jesus, that you withdraw yourself from every brother that walketh disorderly. Now this is a command given for those who are obedient Christians to not walk with Christians, so said, who are walking disorderly and not after the traditions which ye have received of us. For ye yourselves know how ye ought to follow us, for we behave not ourselves disorderly among you. So he's using this word disorderly to describe those that weren't doing the right thing. Neither did we eat any man's bread for naught, but wrought with labour and travail night and day, that we might not be chargeable to any of you. Not because we have not power. He could have said, you should pay me for preaching. But he didn't. But what he did was build and make tents, didn't he? Night and day, with Aquila and Priscilla, who were of the same business, he laboured with them and good, had good times of fellowship. But at the times he laboured on his own, working with his hands, labouring that which is good. Now, <clears throat> he may well have learnt this to become a teacher of the law way back because that's what the Jews did. Young men got a trade before they went into ministry as a rabbi. A rabbi was often self-supporting. But there was the commission to the Jewish nation to set aside money for the people that did the spiritual ministry. But here Paul was saying when he became a Christian, as an apostle, he worked to pay his way. And it goes on in verse 10, even when we were with you, this we commanded you, that if any would not work, neither should he eat. So <laughs> how long was Paul in Thessalonica establishing the church? Can you remember? A couple of weeks. Wouldn't it be great to establish, start a church in two weeks and leave it and come back and it's going well? <laughs> but very short time. And he had taught them so much. He'd already, he, he had also taught them, if you read the Herald of Hope lately, I think it was the last edition, about the day of the Lord and prophetical truth. He taught them all about that, the hope of salvation. Because he said, remember when I spoke to you about that? When he rewrote a letter to them? <clears throat> For even when we were, and he, and, he, and he told them, this is the behaviour you're to have as a Christian. Set an example to the unsaved that they might see that you're not going to be one that takes others and takes them for advantage for yourself. We commanded you that if you would not work, you shouldn't eat. For we hear that there are some who walk among you disorderly. There's that word third time. And so what was the disorder? In the last part of verse 11 it tells us, working not at all but are busy bodies. <clears throat> I'm sure there's a reference for Timothy here. <laughs> because it talks about... the 
Yes, Second, uh, 1 Timothy chapter, <laughs> chapter 5. It talked there, Paul said, who are busy bodies. And they've got time on their hands. Time to spare, time to waste. They're working, not at all, they're disorderly. And they're busy bodies. That what, that's what can become of a person. And this is talking directly to the young widows. In this verse, in 1 Timothy chapter 5, they're wandering, in verse 13, they're, <clears throat> with all they learn to be idle, wandering about from house to house, and not only idle, but tattlers also, and busybodies, speaking things which they ought not. I will therefore that the younger women marry, bearing children, guide the house, give no occasion for the adversary to speak reproachfully. I mean... Christianity is very practical. <laughs> These doctrinal books have got some practical aspects to them too, haven't they? These prison epistles. Paul had time to sit and think. <laughs> he was in prison and be able to pen these things down for us. Uh, <clears throat> Paul set the example. Go back to the book of Acts. Labouring to have to give to them that needeth. Chapter 20 of the book of Acts. Verse 33. He said, I have coveted no man's silver or gold or apparel. If you were Paul, you had shoes that were mostly worn out, <laughs> clothes that were old, didn't have washing machines and it was all hand washed and everything like that. And you're going from place to place and you'd visit, visit some pretty rich homes. John Mark. His parents were rich. They had a pretty good place and a pretty big place because the church was in their house, it says. And if you come in in your rags and not very well-dressed and you come into a place like that, what could you think as a servant of the Lord? <laughs> or what could, what, what, what could develop in your heart? Yeah, okay, en envy or jealousy. That could develop, couldn't it? Look at they've got. I'm the apostle. Shouldn't I have that? <laughs> you see the things that could gener be generated? And Paul said, I have coveted no man's silver or gold or apparel. See, apparently this had come to his mind. And yea, you yourselves know that these hands, he said, these hands have ministered. Look at the bricks and <laughs> look at the needles that have gone through them <laughs> when I've been stitching up the tents. Ye yourselves know that these hands have ministered unto my necessities and to them that were with me. What did the Bible verse say back in the book of Ephesians? To have, to give, to who? Him that needeth. There were those that around Paul had need of help. There were fellow ministers, fellow servants. There was Dr. Luke. There was Timothy. There was Silas. There was Barnabas. There were others that on missionary trips needed to be supported. He said, these hands have done a job <laughs> for myself, my necessities, and for them that were with me. I have shown you all things how that so labouring you ought to support the weak. So not only those, but the weak. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus, and this is where it comes back to, isn't it? It is more blessed to give than to receive. And when he had thus spoken, he knelt down, prayed with them all, 
This is his last word to the elders of the Ephesus church. He'd never see them again until glory. And that's, what he's t that's, that's the instruction he gave them. You know, the last word of a person is used is something you hang on. And that's what he said to them there in, in Ephesians on the seashore. <clears throat> Time's gone quick. <laughs> the world's not going to listen to someone's a lazy layabout busybody. In Jewish custom, this is what I mentioned before, I jumped the gun, all men learned a trade even if they were intended to become a rabbi or a teacher. Often these were expected to earn their own living. <clears throat> the re one reason for labour is that we may have to give, as it says in the scripture here, to them that need. And it's more blessed to give than receive. Um, <clears throat> The Lord, in his ministry, in Luke 14, we won't turn there, verses 12 to 14, said, if you give to the rich, it's not the, it's not, I'm going to say, not the right thing to do. It's, it's not the, necessarily the wrong thing, but you have to be careful. But if you give to the poor, who can't give back to you, then you've given with the right motive. <laughs> You've not given to get. You've not given it to somebody that can give you more back in return. And that is something we need to keep in perspective when we labour. The book of Ecclesiastic, the book of Proverbs, just turned to close to a couple of verses there on this subject. <clears throat> Ecclesiastics chapter 5. Verse 12. <clears throat> the sleep of the labouring man is sweet, whether he eat little or much, but the abundance of the rich will not suffer him to sleep. Uh, is that an exhortation not to eat a big meal before you go to bed? I don't know, because the rich can afford to do that. <laughs> but the labouring man, he just goes to hits, hits the bed, no, hits the pillow and goes out to it. That's uh, what happens for a labouring man. If he's eaten little or much, he's so tired, he just goes to sleep. There is a great evil which I have seen under the sun, namely riches kept for the owners thereof to their own hurt. But those riches perish by evil travail, and he begetteth the son, and there is nothing in his hand. He didn't inherit anything. As it came forth from the mother's womb, naked shall he return to go as he came, and he shall take nothing of his labour that he may carry it away with his hand. And he reads on, we read on there about the, the uh, evil that he had seen under the sun. <laughs> In verse 18 we go there, And that which I have seen, it is good and comely for one to eat and to drink and to enjoy the good of all his labour that he taketh under the sun, all the days of his life which he, God giveth him. For this, for it is his portion. And so it is good that God blesses us with what he does. That we might eat and be blessed as we've laboured. The reward comes and we receive that by the way of food. And every man, in verse 19, also to whom God hath given riches and wealth and hath given him power to eat thereof and to take his portion and to rejoice in his labour. This is a gift of God. Thank God. 
that we can work. You know, who gives us the strength to work? God does. Who gives us the opportunity? Who, who gives us the job? We pray for people without work, that they might get work. God does. <laughs> who gives us the talent that we can do these things? God does. Who gives us the hands and health? God does. Praise him for what he does for us in giving us all these things to be able to labour to be able to labour. And as you go through the book of Ecclesiastes, you underline the word work or labour. As many times it's used. And Solomon didn't have to, but I think he applied himself to labour. His was probably more mental work in arranging and organising people. But then there's the one in Proverbs that's spoken about. <clears throat> and you can look at Proverbs chapter 6. Proverbs 6 and verse 6. This is the opposite to the labourer. And uh, verse 6 reads, Go to the ant, the sluggard, consider her, her ways and be wise, which having no guide oversee your ruler, but provideth her meat in the summer and gathereth her food in the harvest. How long wilt thou sleep, O sluggard? When wilt thou arise out of thy sleep? Yet a little sleep, yet a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. We all know what it's like, don't we? <laughs> When the alarm rings in the morning, <laughs> got to get up, got to go to work. So shall thy poverty come like a one that travaileth, and like a and thy want like an armed man. This is talking about the lazy one. So we've got the labourer that's spoken of, and the benefit of labouring, and God's blessing upon that in Ecclesiastes. But then you've got here the pronouncement upon the lazy: He will gather, but he won't have enough. He'll be too lazy often even to get the harvest off. If you go to the end of, chap of um, the book of Proverbs, <clears throat> chapter 26, and there's heaps of them between, chapter 26 and verse 13. <clears throat> oh, let's go back up, back up to chapter 24, verse 30. I went by the field of the slothful man, by the vineyard of the man void of understanding. This is the lazy one. And lo, it was all grown over with thorns. And nettles had covered the face thereof, and stone wall where was broken down. When I saw it, I considered it well, and looked upon it and received instruction. <laughs> and the instruction that he got was, this man says, Yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep, so shall thy poverty come like one that travaileth, and thy want like an armed man. Just like we'd read a little bit earlier. And uh, others will put out excuses, like in verse 13 of 26. The slothful man, the lazy one, said, There's a lion in the way, a lion in the streets. <laughs> As the door turneth upon its hinges, so doth the slothful man upon his bed. The slothful hideth his hand in a dish, and he giveth, it, it grieveth him to bring it again to his mouth. A sluggard is wiser in his own conceits than seven men that can render a reason. And so here's the... <clears throat> conspicuous difference in a Christian's life is that he labours to have to give to him that needeth he labours and he's not lazy he works with his hands when the opportunity God gives rises he goes for it and does it now, <clears throat> when you get to a certain age I could ask people but I won't <laughs> what age is it that you got to when you thought, I just can't do this anymore. 
back hurts, wrist hurts, hand hurts, knee hurts. What age is it? Well, I think it's different with everyone, isn't it? But you get there. And you know what? When you get there, you wish you could do it like you used to. <laughs> you could bend and labour and use your hands. and use, You wished and you look almost with envy with the ones that can still do it. Do it while you can and enjoy it and God's blessing will be upon it.